This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Hey, 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 Mindful listeners. I got to thank you once again for spending a little part of your day with me and us here at Mindful Medicine. So this topic that we're going to be talking about, I love because I am 54 years old and I have noticed that boy, oh boy, through the decades as I've aged, as much wisdom as I've garnered, my body has changed and I think the needs that my body has has changed as well. Um, so we're going to bring on Dr. Nicole Avina. She is a PhD assistant professor of neuroscience at Mount Sinai School of Medicine. Smarty pants with us in the house. And she's also a visiting professor of health psychology at Princeton University. Can't wait to talk to her about how our needs change as we age. Nicole, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks so much, Holly. I'm really happy to be here and chatting with you. Yeah. So, um, wow. So your terminal degree uh, was in what as a PhD? So I got my PhD is in psychology and neuroscience. And so I've pretty much spent my career studying how food and nutrition is influenced by the brain and vice versa, how what we eat can have an impact on our brain health. You know, this is a perfect subject for mindful listeners because I think that there are is so much information out there when it comes to food that, in my opinion and in my experience, when it comes to my own clinical practice, people are downright confused. And I see people actually just throwing in the towel going, you know what? I'm so confused. I don't really care anymore. And yeah, <laughs> just like, it's such a, yeah. it, it's, you're, you're right. It's information overload. There's so much information out there that People don't know what to believe, and there's so much conflicting information out there mm. in terms of, you know, what's healthy, what's not, what type of, you know, food you should be eating, what types of food you should be avoiding. And, you know, these things are so dynamic and change as new research comes out. And so it is a lot for the, you know, everyday person to sift through to try to understand. Yeah, I think um, Dr. Carolyn Mace, the medical intuitive and uh Theologi- or the- theologist, uh, and, and so much more, uh, cause it, calls it guidance overload. <laughs> and I, I certainly <laughs> feel that even myself sometimes. So it's nice to have a PhD uh, in neuroscience to kind of bring this all together. But let's talk about how our needs do change as we age. When you think about the top five nutrients um, that women uh, need more of as they age, what, what are they? Well, it's a great question because you know, women become so many different women throughout their life, right? I mean, you know, we start off as young girls and we develop through adolescence and then, you know, many of us move into those childbearing years. And what happens as we sort of progress through the lifespan and, you know, maybe exit those childbearing years and start to enter, you know, premenopause, menopausal years, what we need in terms of nutrition changes a lot. And, you know, having a healthy diet in your 20s is not the same thing as having a healthy diet in your 60s. You really do need a a variety of different changes in your diet in order to make sure that you're, you know, staying your healthiest. Um, A couple things that I think, you know, people don't always realize is that as we age, we need to get more of certain types of nutrients. And so even if you're eating a healthy diet, You know, it's important to make sure that you're boosting the amount of things in your diet that contain calcium, for instance, especially as we age. And that's a big one, and vitamin D. And those are two big ones because as we age, women especially, we tend to have a deterioration of our bone health. 
And that can put us at risk for things like osteoporosis or, you know, increased risk for breaking bones and just poor bone health in general. And so it's important to make sure that you're getting a lot of calcium in your diet and also vitamin D because the two of those things work hand in hand. Mm. Excellent. So calcium and then vitamin D. And yeah, vitamin D, I still see it as being probably the most number one deficient vitamin that we have across the United States. It's true. And, you know, part of the problem is that we are keenly aware that it's not a good idea to like bathe in the sun all day, right? And so, you know, we're aware that it's, you know, important to use sunscreen and to make sure we're shielding ourselves from the, the harmful rays of the sun. But one of the benefits of the sun is that we get vitamin D naturally from the sun. And so if we're not spending a lot of time outdoors or if we're, you know, covered up, then that's going to really be, you know, one of the main sources of vitamin D that we have naturally that we're not able to get. There's not, you know, too many foods that have vitamin D in it. Most of them are fortified with vitamin D. So, for instance, you know, you might be able to purchase, like, cow's milk that has vitamin D added to it. Lots of different food products will fortify their products with certain vitamins and other nutrients that we need to help us be able to get an extra added dose of it. So that means that a lot of people end up having to supplement and taking, you know, a a supplement is something that is important to consider. You might not necessarily be doing that when you're younger, but as you age, just because some of these things are so difficult to get naturally from food or from the environment, it is important to consider taking a supplement to make sure that you're, you know, keeping your levels up to where they need to be. So why do you think, you know, the need is there and why aren't we getting some of these nutrients? I mean, you mentioned vitamin D, calcium. Um, I want a couple more, but why aren't we getting them today? Well, I'm sorry, what was that? Why aren't we getting them today? Yeah. Well, I think it's, well, it's really that, you, you know, I think as people age, you know, we have food preferences that we kind of develop early in life, and we kind of like to eat the you know, same types of foods, and we develop things that we, you know, tend to like to eat. And if we don't have a variety in our diet, it's odds are that you're not going to hit the mark for all the different nutrients that you need. Um, I always tell people, even those who think they're eating super, super healthy, it's really, really hard to get the recommended daily values of all the different nutrients that we're supposed to get just by food alone. And so that's why it's important that people keep in mind the need to possibly be taking a multivitamin supplement or maybe taking a supplement that, you know, is going to get them up to the levels of the different nutrients that they know they're not getting enough of from their diet alone. Right. You know, I love that you say that about a diverse diet. And I have to tell you, I would say it's the exception, not the rule that people eat a diverse diet. I have people come in and of course, I assess their dietary intake because we want to understand that it informs so much of the clinical condition. And I see people eating, as you said, the same thing over and over and over and again. And certainly, as you mentioned, can that lead to nutritional deficiencies? It can. But I think also these days, I know what's important is we're looking at diversity index when it comes to our microbiome. And I think one of the easiest ways to have a more diverse microbiome is to eat a more diverse diet Um, because we've got different plants and different animals carrying different... um, bacteria for us that can inform that diversity index. And I know that a a low diversity index is associated in the literature with more poor health outcomes. And so great point there. And and then a multivitamin just to ensure any nutritional gaps, I think, again, incredible. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, we tend to view certain times of life as points in which we kind of are aware that we need to be taking a vitamin supplement, right? So most people, you know, when they have kids, they're, you know, making sure their kids are taking supplements. So young people tend to take them. And then when we're pregnant, then, you know, everybody, you know, is keenly aware of the importance of taking a good prenatal vitamin to make sure that, you know, the baby is going to grow healthy and to just, you know, fill in those nutritional gaps that we sometimes can't get, especially when, you know, we're pregnant and maybe not able to eat all the different types of food that we would be wanting to to have a diverse diet. But I think for some people, after pregnancy, after that time of life, you know, ends, people then kind of sometimes ditch out on their supplements and they think, oh, well, I could just get it from food. There's really no need to, you know, be taking these extra pills. Um, And so I think it's important to keep that in mind that it it is really important because if you become deficient in one or more of these essential nutrients, it can have an impact on the way you feel. It can have an impact on your health, but it can also have an impact on your mood. It can have an effect on your, you know, energy levels. So, for instance, like iron. Iron is another nutrient that is important for women to keep in mind that they're getting enough of as they go, you know, through life, especially later in life. And when we don't have enough iron, you can have that manifesting as really low energy levels and feeling lethargic. And, you know, that's something that can easily be rectified by taking a supplement or by, you know, focusing on iron-rich foods like things like spinach or pumpkin seeds or even things like chickpeas. Um, you know, can be rich in iron. It doesn't necessarily have to be coming from meats or animals. So um, I think that it's important to keep in mind. And, you know, I've heard from a lot of people that one of the sort of adversities taking a pill or taking a supplement is the fact that it's, you know, another big pill to take or something they have to swallow. Um, But there's lots of options out there now. Like you don't have to necessarily, you know, take a pill or, you know, take multiple pills as some of these different, you know, supplements come in the form of. There are sublingual ones that just dissolve under your tongue. Like um, one I really like is Frunutta. They make a variety of different, you know, nutritional supplements um, that are focused either on a multivitamin or, you know, vitamin D, B12, whatever, you know, your needs might be. But they're small enough that they dissolve right under your tongue. So then you don't have to worry about swallowing a pill. So I think that it's important for people to know that there's, you know, other ways that you can get it other than, you know, swallowing a big pill or, you know, having to focus on, you know, eating a variety of different foods that are out there when you need it. Yeah, you make some great points here. You know, I think these days when people are feeling fatigued or, um, you know, just not their optimal, uh, I know what I'm, I'm seeing happening for folks is they come in and go, oh, it must be my adrenals. Oh, it must be my adrenals. Oh, it must be my adrenals. And sure, pretty common right. in our modern day society that, but when you do differential diagnosis, one of the things you'd have to rule out is iron deficiency anemia, because that could be contributing and informing that fatigue and such. And, you know, quite common. And so once again, I think you're putting together these points that are so important. And when I tell people about diet or nutrients, I've said this before so many times, so some listeners that are <laughs> that listen quite frequently, they might be rolling their eyes at me right now. But, you know, if you if you take a biochemistry class, it's basically like taking a nutrition class or vice versa, I would say, mm-hmm. because all of your bodies and, you know, this is much more than 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 we all do, your body's processes, your biochemical processes are fueled by cofactors that are either nutrients that are vitamins and minerals. And if they start being deficient, it's a slippery slope into disease processes and not only disease processes, but just not feeling great. Right, right. No, it's such a good point. And I think too, you know, a lot of the nutrients that are important for women, especially throughout the lifespan, 
sometimes just because like we were talking about earlier with all the information that's out there, we, we sometimes forget about some of them at different points in our life. So one that I like to bring up a lot is folate. And we often hear about the importance of folic acid during pregnancy and it's how it's important to get a lot of folate when you're pregnant because it helps with the development of the brain and the spinal cord for the baby. And that is so true. It's very important. But it's also important later in life. It's important for our heart health, especially women, because, you know, heart disease is the number one, you know, cause of death for women. And folate plays a role in promoting a healthy heart. And so it's important that, you know, you're getting enough folate even when you're long past those baby years and, you know, making sure that you're taking it for your your own health. Yeah, no kidding. And then, of course, with all of the new science in um, understanding maybe some of our genes that are quote-unquote dirty and or have those single nucleotide polymorphisms, maybe with the methylation factor and what type of Mm -hmm. uh, folate, folic acid um, you should take. You know, I think medicine and and wellness is getting so much more um, personalized and customized when it comes to individuals, which I think is great as well. Um, So, you know, we mentioned how your body needs change uh, as you age or how your body's how your needs change as you age. Sorry about that. Um, how do nutrition needs change as we age? Well, I think it really has to do with the aging process, right? And the way in which our body is utilizing the different nutrients that, you know, we're, we're feeding to it, essentially. And so, you know, our metabolism changes, our cellular processes change. I mean, as we age, things just change in a variety of different ways that results in us needing, you know, more or less of these various different nutrients. But one of the things that's challenging is, you know, we have recommended daily values of different nutrients that are put out there as a guide for how much we should be consuming. But those recommended values aren't broken down based on, you know, 10-year life, you know, 10-year spans of life. I mean, we have values for, you know, infants, we have values for, you know, toddlers, and then we have values for everybody else. (laughs) And so the needs that are suggested for, you know, the 20-year-old you are the same that are suggested for the 60-year-old you, but you're not the same person in those different time points. And so that's why it can be a little bit challenging for women as they age to figure out exactly what they need and exactly how much they need of it. Um, I think that when I talk to people about this, I say to try to focus on, you know, thinking about places in which you might be having lapses, meaning, you know, about the different disease states that are common as women age, like things like we talked about, like osteoporosis, heart disease, and so on, and making sure that you're getting the nutrients that are going to support the health of your body that, you know, relates to those types of common disease states, I think is very important. Um, And I think that, you know, one of the things that can be a challenge is just for women to really just understand, like, where to get these things. And so one of the things that I like to do is, really help people understand, you know, where they can get these things from foods. Because I think most people are of the mindset that they want to try to eat healthy and they want to eat a diverse, different, you know, menu of foods and they want to make sure that they're supporting the nutrition with the foods that they eat. And so getting creative with um, different types of foods and and making sure that you're having that variety is really one way to make sure that you're going to, you know, maintain a healthy diet as you age. Yeah, such great points. Um, so, 
you have a book. I know this. Uh, I know this might be off topic, but I really want to talk about it because I think it's it's great. Your latest book is "What to Eat When You're Pregnant," um, because of course, in changing needs, obviously, when you're pregnant, those needs change. Can you tell me just a little bit about that? It looks like a week by week guide that moms can support yeah. not only their health, but the baby's development as well. Yes. So, um, "What to Eat When You're Pregnant" is a book that. Um, I wrote that really for me was based off of a need. What, just a quick backstory. So my lab had been studying, you know, food in the brain and how nutrition affects the brain. And we had been you know, doing a lot of research looking at this from the standpoint of adults. And it became really interesting to me. Well, what about the development of our food preferences and the development of our, you know, sort of relationship with nutrition? It, it kind of starts in the womb, right? It starts before we're even born. And so it got me interested in trying to understand, you know, how does the food that we eat influence our health, even when we're exposed prenatally from the very beginnings of life. And at the, around the time we were doing this research in my lab, um, I was starting to have my own babies. And, you know, just as a, a regular old pregnant lady out there, I realized that there wasn't a lot of support for women in terms of the nutrition guidance that they're given during pregnancy. I found that it was very weight-focused and very negative in the sense that, you know, women are told, oh, try not to gain more than, you know, 25 pounds or 30 pounds or whatever the guideline might be. And they're told to avoid eating certain foods because they could be bad for the baby, like avoid eating too much mercury and, you know, avoid eating deli meats that aren't cooked properly and things like that. And I, I kind of felt like it was a very negative vibe, right? I mean, you know, what about focusing on how you can grow a healthy baby by eating nutritious foods and, you know, how you can benefit your pregnancy and make yourself feel good by having, you know, foods that are rich in certain nutrients along the way. And so that's what really led me to write the book was to provide a science-based guide, essentially, for women that they could use throughout their pregnancy to understand, you know, what's happening to me, what's happening to the baby, and also, nutritionally, what kinds of foods can I eat at the various different time points of the pregnancy to help support the baby and to help support the health of the pregnancy? Um, you know, because food is really medicine. I mean, there's so much that we can do with food. And it's empowering to know that, you know, if you're eating different foods that are healthy and good for you and good for the baby, it's going to, you know, have a healthy outcome um, on all sides. Yeah. It's great. I mean, you make some great points. You know, I, I was thinking about food as medicine because I say it all the time, but I'm, I was wondering because I was talking to a colleague who was trying to make the case that anxiety wasn't a diagnosis because relaxation couldn't be sort of a diagnosis. And it was a great discussion because we were talking about just sort of what informs anxiety and how it would maybe behoove us to take off the onus of uh, anxiety being a diagnosis um, based on that thought. But when you say food is medicine, I always, I, I, I have come recently to say, can food be poison? And I, my answer quickly with no thought at all needed is absolutely yes. I think it is. And people folks, and people use it unfortunately for that, you know, we're always eating for an outcome for uh, we're on a continuum. And, um, right. I think that, yeah. And so I, want to, I want to tune our listeners into your website, Dr. As in Dr. Nicole, um, Avina. And I want to spell it out for you. Dr. N I C O L E A V E N A.com. Lots of great resources, this PhD lady, um, what to feed your baby and toddler, uh, these nutrients, why diet fails, um, what to eat when you're pregnant, which we talked about, and hedonic eating, uh, another one. 
um, really great subjects and talking about nutrients and and changing as we age and trying to keep up with everything. Um, Such really wonderful information. Um, So just before we go, can you give the listeners like sort of just a roadmap to kind of keep up when people age? You know, as I said at the top of the show, I literally, my metal, like 20, you know, maybe even 30s, I was like, yeah, whatever. Uh, you know, I got this. I can eat. I exercise all the time. I'm good. Then 40 came along. I was like, whoa, what's happening? And then 50 <laughs> came along and I'm like, oh, even some more changes, you know, now into menopause. And um, once again, I was talking to somebody earlier this morning and we were talking about collagen and how, you know, it's probably besides water, one of the most, you know, abundant things in our body, it kind of, it's the glue that holds us together. Um, But we think about Mm -hmm. beauty aspects of aging and hair, skin, nails, and collagen does decrease as we age. So there's a need there. and, 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 And as you said, look, we can optimize and supplement some of these things that we know that we're losing. But I guess my question in a very long-winded form is how can you help folks navigate um, their nutrient needs changing as they as they age? Yeah, no, you raised some really good points. I mean, it's just, I think a lot of it really comes down to having a, a partner in your health. And by that, I mean having someone that, you know, you can trust that you can, whether it's a, your primary care physician or even your OBGYN, just someone that's in your life that can help you to understand the changes that you're going to be going through. Because it's, it is, it's a roller coaster, right? I mean, you know, what you blink an eye and suddenly, you know, things are changing and, you know, what you had been doing previously in terms of how you eat and maybe exercise just might not be working and you might develop different types of aches and pains and, you know, a lot of people sort of come to this resignation that, oh, well, I guess I'm aging and this is just how it has to be. And that's not always the case. Sometimes it's just a matter of the fact that you need to change things up, whether it might be taking another supplement, like you mentioned about collagen, which is something that, you know, for me, myself, I mean, we hear a lot about the benefits beauty-wise of collagen, but there's also significant effects on joint health when Mm -hmm. people use collagen. It can I find that personally myself, I take it, and I find that it really does help with the sort of, like, knee aches that I get from having been a runner for many years. And so I really think it's a matter of kind of as you go through life, you know, understanding that these different things that might come up health-wise and just how you feel, they don't necessarily have to stay that way. And there are things that you can do diet-wise, and there are things you can do maybe in a supplement way to offset some of that and change things up. And so I really suggest just, you know, making sure you have a partner, making sure it, whether it's a nutritionist or, you know, someone that you can go to because, you know, people aren't expected to know all this stuff, right? And with this overload that's out there, it can be hard to kind of sift through the information to understand what's going to work for you and what's not. So having a partner, I, I think, is key. And I also think that it's important to keep in mind, like I said earlier, as we age, you know, it's not always easy to do it all with the foods that we're eating. And a lot of this, you know, we see happening as women enter that sort of pre-menopausal phase where, you know, maybe it's a little bit harder to stay slim and they're finding that they're gaining weight and they're trying to maybe, you know, change their eating patterns to maybe lose excess weight that they might be gaining. And so when people start to do that, when people diet in that way, they're maybe, you know, cutting back on calories, but often that translates into cutting back on nutrients that we need. And so we have to make sure that we're kind of balancing that that act of, 
you know, eating the right amount of calories to support, you know, ourselves, but also making sure that we're eating for the nutrients that we need, not just the calories. Because if you're dieting and trying to cut out calories, you're going to find that you might feel terrible just because you're now cutting out, you know, essential nutrients that, you know, you were not um, missing earlier. So I think that's a... Yeah, great point. I caught that a couple times with people eating um, keto, 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 or paleo, paleo, paleo. And in their particular, and this is a macronutrient that I'm talking about, in their particular condition, I felt that folks that were uh, predisposed or, and or had presented earlier with um, a spectrum of anxiety, eating that way because of weight loss, which was the impetus for doing it, was great, but that anxiety piece got worse and I was thinking about carbohydrates and the serotonin connection and I sort of encouraged them to bring a little bit more balance, just, you know, and I think, you know, you know, that's one situation and as you mentioned, there are many and I love that you make the point and and, and to the listeners as far as having a partner and and maybe a second opinion outside of your, um, your conventional medicine uh, cohorts, you know, that you go in and maybe have a 15 minute visit or, or less with, uh, but, 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 but maybe being your own partner first by just paying attention. If you are aging and you are noticing X, Y, and Z, don't do what I do in my car, which is if I hear a noise, I just turn up the radio, right? We want to pay attention to our bodies telling us like, Hey, you know, I might have a need here, you know, as we get older to keep skin in the game, and to age healthfully and to to manage and optimize the age, especially in our modern day when there is so much stress and there are so many environmental influences that we hardly have control over. So Dr. Nicole, thank you so much. Um, Once again, folks, you can find more at www.drnicoleavena.com. Folks, as always, appreciate you listening and we're going to see you next time.